We thank you, Father, Lord. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads. And when your glory is here, every head gets lifted. <laughs> we bless you and we praise you. Even now, people that have come in heavy, you're lifting their heads this morning. You're lifting their heads just by the virtue of your presences here. And we praise you, Lord, today that every head, every head that's come here low will leave high because you're with us. We bless you, Father, for this morning. That you have come in and you will continue to come in. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We are going to take a seat, please. We are going to gather today around the Lord's table. And you know, as a church that is committed to doing this weekly, because the Word of God says, whenever, can I have it, please, my uh, communion cup? Whenever we gather, we are, to, we are to remember what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And so when we come to this place, um, it's really important, it's really important that this does never turn into... Uh, kind of meaningless participation, just because we do it weekly. Because 1 Corinthians 11 speaks about, if that happens, we can bring judgment upon ourselves. And uh, Paul writes this. Five times he mentions the word judgment in regard to communion. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many of you are sick among you and many sleep. But if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. So it's really important this isn't meaningless because you want to bring blessing of God. You want to live in the blessing, the good favor of God and, uh, and not come under his judgment. Because the Word of God says God disciplines His sons. And when we come to the to communion today, we remember that Christ, when He went to the cross and shed His blood, He was paying the price for all my sin. And He was purchasing all my forgiveness for all the things that I did against God. But He was also delivering me from the power of sin. And once I'm forgiven of my sin... The Word of God says, I come into God's family at that time. I am adopted as one of his sons. And it says, the hand of God comes upon me. That's what's happened to you. Do you know how precious it is to have the hand of God upon you? The hand of God. Nehemiah said, uh, I, I, I didn't know how, but I got an instruction from God to build a wall with no resources. But I did it because the mighty hand of God was upon me. Ezra said... I went into the king to ask him a ridiculous request. He said, but I received favor because the hand of God was upon me. And he says, I had to drive through the desert and there was full of bandits, but they couldn't touch me because the hand of God was upon me. Isaiah 41.6 says, I am strengthened. You'll, you'll strengthen me. You'll help me. You'll uphold me according to your mighty right hand. And, and, uh, Exodus 15.6 says, God's right hand is glorious in power. His right hand dashes the enemy in pieces. And when his right hand is upon my life, I receive favor. I receive blessing. I'm constantly delivered. 
And David knew this. In Psalm 32, he spoke about God being my hiding place, the one who preserves me. He surrounds me with songs and deliverance. He instructs me and guides me because his mighty hand is upon my life. But you know, the psalm also speaks about, I'll read it to you. It speaks about the opposite. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all day long, or for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity. I have not hidden. I said I will confess transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my son, my sin. So David actually knew what it was to have God's hand upon him, his favor and blessing, but he also knew the opposite. He says, my body was affected. My bones grew old. And he said, I was groaning all day long. A complaining, moaning spirit hit him. And vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I believe that speaks about depression. So he had a time in his life where he's experiencing all these things. His body wasn't sound. His mind wasn't sound. He was depressed. And there's a reason for it. Reason was God's hand was heavy upon him. This is a time in his life where he'd sinned with Bathsheba. And for 18 months, the Bible says, he was silent about his sin. For 18 months, he did not acknowledge his sin. For 18 months, he lived in denial because he was king. And as long as he was in that, time, that, that, that place where he was in denial, he wasn't going to acknowledge what he'd done with Bathsheba. As long as he was in that condition, God's hand was heavy upon him, not in judgment, not in blessing, but in judgment. And sometimes, sometimes we can be the same. We can do things, maybe to your wife, maybe it's your, you're consistently unkind to your spouse, maybe you gossip all the time, maybe you're prideful, lustful, and we live in a place where we say, it's just, I'm just human. Or I do it because I'm a victim. And as long as we're in that place, as long as David was in that place, God's hand was heavy upon him, chastising him, disciplining him. Until, he said, until I acknowledge my sin to you. And in my, in my iniquity, I have not hidden. I said, I'll confess my sin. And as soon as I did that, he says, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then God's blessing came upon him because he starts the psalm by saying, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impart iniquity and whom spirit there is no seat. So sometimes your troubles are because maybe Satan is attacking you. That's why you've got troubles. Or sometimes it's because just it's a fallen world and people are being nasty to you and mean to you. And you've just got to stand on the word of God and get through that. But sometimes, sometimes your troubles are because the hand of God is upon your life chastening you.
you haven't acknowledged where you really are with God. And sin is not about people. It's not to do with people. Sin is an issue between you and God. It means falling short what he requires. Maybe it's you become prideful. Maybe you become envious. As I said, maybe you're, you've been gossiping. Maybe you've been withholding your love from your wife, your husband. When we come to communion, we have a promise from God. We can get from that place where God's hand is heavy upon us to the place where God's hand of blessing comes back upon our life. And it's simple. David said this. He did two things. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I confessed it. And then the Bible says, in 1 John 1, 9, as soon as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our sins. And once we are not in denial, once we are honest to God, once we have owned up, confess where we are, confess what we're really doing, God, it's like this. God forgives us and he cleanses us and it's like the left hand of discipline is taken off us and the right hand of blessing comes back upon our lives. But that's why we've got to examine ourselves when we come to communion. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, you don't justify it. You don't say, well, I'm only doing that because of things that have happened to me. You don't deny it. This is what you do. You simply judge sin as sin. You said, it's sin. I did it. As soon as you do that, you take it to God. You confess it, you acknowledge it, and you take it to him. You say, God, I, I, I have sinned by doing X, Y, Z. And as we come to communion today, I'm confessing it to you. And I'm also believing as I confess it, the blood of Jesus, which never stops working, washes me clean of guilt, clean of shame. And it ensures the hand of discipline and judgment is removed from my life and God's hand of blessing and favor comes back upon my life. That's why we do commune every week. Because we are flesh. We are prone to sin. We sin often. But we have a God who is faithful. Faithful. Every time we acknowledge and confess it. Every single time. Without fail. He washes us clean. And ensures that we live with the hand of favor and blessing upon our life. So as we take communion today, I want us to pause. I want to give us a moment, a minute of reflection and let the Holy Spirit, if, he, if you are in sin, let him convict you. Let the Holy Spirit point it out to you. And at that moment, it's not between me and you, it's not between your wife and you, it's not between your friend, it's between God and you. Acknowledge it, 
Confess it, and he will cleanse you. Just bow our head. Just bow our head before the Lord. Father God, I thank you. You love us so much that you will not leave us the same. That where we are failing, you chasten us like a good father. You discipline us. And Father God, I thank you for that hand of discipline and judgment, which has a perfect purpose to continue to change us in the likeness of your Son, to, to continue to transform our lives into something wonderful and powerful that you can use. But Father God, you don't want us to live in that place. You want us to live as your favorite children with your hand of favor upon us, your hand of protection over us, your hand that opens doors upon us. And I thank you, that hand comes right back on our lives every time we confess our sin. And I thank you that our sin is able to be cleansed only for one reason. And we remember it today. That that hand of blessing may continue to come back upon our lives because your son allowed his body to be broken on that cross. And we remember that today, the body of Jesus is broken for your blessing. And Lord, we remember today, the only reason that we can receive forgiveness over and over and over and over to be completely forgiven for all of our sins is because your son shed his blood on the cross. The blood of Jesus shed for you. And now having confessed our sin, we know right now your hand of blessing and favor remains upon our life. And for that we give you thanks. And all the people said...
Amen, amen, amen. Isn't it wonderful to have the hand of God upon your life? I have some sad news to announce today. Our precious Neville has gone home to be with the Lord. Um, he has been promoted, and the good thing was he didn't suffer long at all. I was with him on Wednesday, and he was sitting up in bed, and, uh, and Saturday he passed into glory. So we are remembering Libby and the family, and uh, we'll be offering all sorts of assistance and hope, as we do, for being the family of God. But uh, we also give God thanks for Neville. He was such a, uh, such a role model, and he was such a, uh, I don't know, the way he loved and cared for his wife was uh, an example and inspiration to many. So we, um, we do. We, uh, we do grieve, but we are also thankful for what he was and how God brought him into this body and his contribution to this body. Amen? Now, we have Bishop Joshua with us today, and when Paul visited churches, he spoke about taking a collection for the saints, as I've given orders to the Church of Galatia. And what he spoke about was that he was going back to Jerusalem where people were impoverished. And he went to the churches and said, I want you to remember those who are less fortunate than you. And he said, let each give according, let each one of you lay something aside. And that means that each one of us, according to our means, are to remember those who are less fortunate and to give generously to, 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 to aid their, and, and help them in their lack and in their need. And I've been to Migori, I've been to Kenya four times, I've been to Migori three times where the bishop uh, ministers... And he looks after, I'm telling you, he looks after many, many widows and orphans. There's no government support. He is just caring for them by faith. Not only that, he is going out regularly and he is evangelizing Kenya. He is a mighty preacher and I've ministered with him many times. So he is doing it on, on, with, with both hands. In one hand, he's looking after the poor and the needy with very little means. In the other hand, he's bringing souls into the kingdom. And I believe... He is a man that we should really support. And the offerings we take up in these meetings uh, will not be for us. They'll be used to support all the work in Africa. So we're going to take an offering now, and I encourage you. He is a good investment. <laughs> he is a good kingdom investment. Do we have a testimony? No. Tonight. It's tonight. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, Bishop, why don't you come up? They don't need to hear from me for long today. We need to hear from you today. So come up. Here's your microphone. It's not going to be turned up very loud because I know you're a loud man. Uh, but we, uh, we welcome you here. We know you're, a, uh, a, you're going to be a great blessing to us. And uh, we, um, we trust your time with us that you are... So blessed by our fellowship. Amen. Amen. God. <clears throat> Accept my greetings in the mighty name of Jesus. Accept greetings from my family, from my church family back in Africa. And they say uh, that I should uh, convey my love to you all. Amen. Amen. 
I hope that you will be very uh, comfortable with my accent. So uh, I will speak as the spirit gives me utterance. And I believe that at the end of it, all will be a blessing. My name is Joshua Mara. Joshua Mara is a born again Christian, uh, born and bred in Africa in a country called Kenya. Uh, like Pastor Martin has said, uh, he has been to my hometown, and I thank God who made this divine connection. It has never been in vain, and I don't regret that I met a man of God, a precious one who has been called to minister to the needy, to the hungry soul all over the world. Let me confirm to you that truly, without any flattery or reservation or intimidation, Pastor Martin has done a great work the world over. And the crown of glory awaits for him. And we also can say something about him while he's still alive. <laughs> so we say, praise the Lord. Um, before I say anything else, I just want me to say that uh, what he has said about me is true. Uh, that uh, we are faced with a lot of challenges in Africa, especially uh, when the AIDS showed up, you know, HIV AIDS. People were really killed, especially the young ones left their families and some of them to nothing to hang on. So we are faced with dire needs of widows. I'm not trying to say that those who died, died because of AIDS, but I'm saying that AIDS contributed a lot. So we have a lot of widows, we have a lot of orphans, that uh, the needs are very conspicuous that we cannot avoid or snub. Uh, this has really con uh, contributed uh, the need in me or in us, wherever we go to, share, to actually share what we are going through. So uh, through uh, your church here, just let me just say that uh, through Pastor Martin, we have been able to uh, buy some lands, build some houses, buying sewing machines, I don't know whether he told you about that, but uh, uh, this is what has been going on. So he has really helped some of the widows that have now uh, have some shelters. Uh, you know, they sent me to congratulate and to say, your prayers has been answered. But we still have needs, you know, like uh, where I am, Africa is very large. If I say that in Africa, this is what we do, that means uh, it is actually happening also in South Africa, which is a little bit more civilized with um, some income more than our country. So let me just zero in into uh, my country, Kenya, and my region. Uh, to put a, a shelter or a, a house, as we put it, uh, 
but not to the standard of the West. Uh, it can cost something to do with uh, $3,000 or $4,000. But back then, it was a little bit easy. But because of this COVID thing, things have changed very much. Uh, the prices of things have tripled. So to take care of uh, a shelter of a widow, uh, which we have needs, there are so many, we can't do them all, but some of them we cannot ignore, especially those who are of faith, comes with us, we feel trouble. So uh, I, I don't really think that I embarrass myself or I embarrass you by saying that. But if there is any funds available, that is what you can do. God said in his Bible, the Bible that we read and you read, that the pure religion uh, that is accepted before God is to take care of orphans and widows. So that is an open need uh, which uh, really create an avenue for us to participate in. In my house, I also stay with orphans. I stay with orphans. I thank God that some are now in the, in the university, like I have Victor, I have Larry, I have Velma, and the number continues. So when we spend with no food, they spend with no food. The Lord revealed to me that it is good not to put them in an orphanage where they will be growing up with no character, but we uh, kind of uh, put them in homes, those who are willing to stay with one or two, because by that they get character together. They, it is like building them to uh, be accepted in the community because whatever our children get, they get. If we get water, they get water so that, you know, nobody is like in a prison. So that is what I have been doing year in, year out. And I thank God for provision. Sometimes there is, sometimes there is not. But no complaint. God uh, gets the glory. Because if everything is done according to his will and purpose, you know, the result is guaranteed that it's going to be good. Praise the Lord. So that is what we are doing. And uh, like I said before, uh, we have received some sewing machines, uh, land, boat, and some houses uh, that were built. I have already given a quotation, forgive me for, you know, going forth and back. But, you know, uh, when, when, there, when the need exceeds uh, or when demand exceeds the supply, you, you can actually get derailed and confused. But I think you get the whole matter. So please continue praying for us. Continue helping us where uh, you can. Also, we have needs like, uh, you know, putting some water, uh, 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 drilling bore, uh, what we call shallow well or boreholes. Also, that is very important. Uh, like, for example, where I was born, where my mother and my father, who has gone to be the Lord, uh, there is no, like... Uh, uh, sit on latrine, uh, we have no running water, no electricity, and the people 
literally walk uh, maybe two, three miles to fetch the water. So also, if somebody knows maybe an organization that deals with the uh, bore, bore drilling, I don't know what you call it, forgive my English, but borehole, borehole drilling or shallow well or how water can be harnessed through buying, uh, uh, you know, large containers that also will be appreciated and the Lord will receive all the glory. I know that as time goes, I'm still here till next week before I get back home. Uh, again, uh, let me conclude this by saying that I thank God to be here. Uh, it, is, it seems like the devil has been really fighting very hard that nothing happens. You know, when this COVID thing came, I wonder how about here, but we were much affected. Much affected, the number decreased, people couldn't go to church, and to us, people who sometimes rely on offering, there was no offering. And, uh, you know, when there is no offering, there is much suffering. So, uh, and also deaths. We reported some deaths, some neighbors, and there was no movement. It was a total restriction, a total chaos. So we are still recovering from that. But uh, I thank God that everything is now beginning to normalize. Praise the Lord for that. But then we still have, uh, you know, uh, some of the, the effects or yeah, effects of what COVID brought to our country. Uh, you know, like people are stigmatized. Uh, when my father died, uh, the report said that he died from COVID. I don't believe that was, but that is what they said. So there was much restriction. Me, uh, there was a time that I was uh, quarantined. Quarantined. Would you, how do you pronounce it? Quarantined, yeah. For uh, 14 days, it was like being in a prison. You can't cough, you can't sneeze. We, we could simply just do you know, because if you do it uh, at that particular time, a knock will be on your door, you will be taken to an hospital, which is not an hospital. It was just like uh, uh, being thrown in a garbage and left there to be died. So many people are stigmatized. I believe that many deaths that happened in Africa, I don't know about here, were of, uh, as a result of stigmatization because uh, there, is, there is no hope. You know that you're going to die. But that is what I say to myself. I will not die. There is nothing I'm going to do in heaven now. I'm still here to preach the gospel. So I survived and I continue to survive. And that is why I'm here. So when, uh, actually when I was about to come, there was some interferences like, you know, you have to produce this test, you have to do this and that and that. But in it all, I had a breakthrough and here I am. And uh, also, you know, uh, the first booking that I did with uh, 
Ethiopian airliner was to come from, through Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, from Addis Ababa to Hong Kong, from Hong Kong to Sydney. But it takes me eight or seven hours by bus from my hometown. So after reaching Nairobi, uh, they told me that my flight from Hong Kong to Sydney has been canceled. Reason is that they don't accept transit. So what did I do? Uh, had nothing to do. Uh, we had to argue, uh, but I asked the Holy Spirit not to, you know, uh, like display carnality. But I said, you must refund my money. And they said, we are going to deduct $150. That is a fortune. And I said, you are not going to do that because it is you who has breached a contract. I didn't request so that my, my flight be canceled. So either you do it or I'm going to seek a legal redress. So they, they realized that this black man is smart. And so, <laughs> and so they uh, refunded the money. Then I began the journey. I want to tell you that the, uh, the, the airfare from Africa to Australia cost a fortune. I've never had something like that. I'm telling you the truth. It was too much that I I don't want to mention. If you Google, you 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 you, you just just Google it today, you will realize. So it has costed time, money, prayer to be here. So I want to breathe. thank God because the reason of my being here is not going to be in vain. And I'm not God, but I want to guarantee that there are some results that are going to be witnessed in my being here as a person. This is not my first time to preach the gospel, but I feel it in my spirit that the subject that I'm going to handle today has been given by God for us. So be ready to consume it. Be ready to be receptive. Be ready to accept what God has for us. Forget about the continent. Forget about my height. Forget about my color. Just see Jesus in me and we are going to flow together. Somebody say praise the Lord. Uh, my first reading... Uh, uh, media man, you will help me if you can. Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, if not, then I will just uh, slowly capture them. Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, but let it be begin from uh, chapter 7, Second Kings chapter 7, though the story itself begins from chapter 6. It is all that we know. And uh, I believe 
that God, God is going to help us. Chapter 7, verses 2. Let me just read one verse only, then I will jump to another verse. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt sit with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Second Kings chapter 2, chapter 7. I, I am just repeating what I've read. Second Kings chapter 7, verses 2. And I'm going to read again. Colossians, the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and being built in him, and stabilized in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verses 8, the Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. Father, thank you. Take all the glory at this time. We bless your name because you are mighty in war. Great you are, holy you are. No one is like you. We thank you because when we are with you, we have this confidence of receiving what you promised to us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. My subject is going to be breaking the siege, restoring lives. Breaking the siege, restoring lives. Breaking the siege, restoring lives. I don't want to stand here as a philosopher who is trying to mingle the word which is divine and another word which is inspired secularly. But I just want to deliver a very simple message that God has given to me that I am a witness, that it has worked, that it carries the value 
which the Bible promises. What does the Bible say? That the word of God is quick and powerful. Which means that the inherent power that is in the word is incomparable. And you cannot compare it, mingle it, or measure it with any word that philosophers have crafted since the time began. But the word lives true to its content. So the story goes that there were four lepers, four sick men that were secluded, isolated from society. They were, com com um, been, they were really isolated for death. <clears throat> they had a terrible disease, and all of us knows about this. You can recon this statement, which I'm about to say, that COVID-19 brought the confusion that has never been witnessed. But things like isolation or things like that were used. It, it, it is in record that they have been in use. They have been in use for a number of years whenever there is an outbreak. But this uh, type of isolation for these people that were practically isolated with no food, with no medic medical cover, with nothing, were secluded from the family. But then... They did not have a faith. Only what they could do was to wait for death. That is actually what the world waits. You know, when, the, when a calamity strikes, even tomorrow or any other day, the only thing that you will see is what we saw during COVID-19. Because countries like um, Italy, uh, you know, we saw literally people throwing money out of the windows because it became like it cannot help. What really uh, became of help was a hope that some people have or kept in their soul. Some literally cried to God, but others waited for death to come. But I thank God because when there is a challenge that covers the whole earth, there are people who can really pray, seek, and appeal to God to intervene. That is what we saw during the COVID-19. Some people are in their knees. They never gave up. I'm telling you the truth. Some people, even today, they are still under siege. They, they, they have not outlived the corona thing. Why? Some people left. They leave churches like in our country. Some people never came back, and you wonder why they were, uh, they, were, they, were, they, they were Christian in the first place. Because to some, you know, for a band that people should not be in a church became like uh, their, tab, uh, their, their, their hobby. Now we are not going to church. I'm, I'm so happy. Because, you know, some people could not break from going to church because it was a tradition to them because they were brought up that way. They were born and bred in church. So leaving not to go to church was really a problem, yet they could not quit. But when coronavirus came, some of the inner feeling began to manifest. 
And that is why God has given me this message that we want to break the siege. When you are under siege, you cannot do. These people were physically uh, isolated. They were physically, it was two types of isolation. The people with the leprosy were not allowed to mingle. And others who were free were totally surrounded. So it was stage one and stage two. And you never, when this chain or when this circle is going to end, these people with leprosy were isolated somewhere. And the people who could work, who could do something for themselves, were also under siege. Just put a picture in your head and see what really happened at this time. And again, we see in the New Testament that some people... Though physically they were not under siege, but psychologically their minds are being tampered with. I want to tell you that even in churches today or in some places, I don't know, but there is, people are under siege because they are being fed with genetically modified gospel. They are under siege. It, it comes to a time when people begin to question whether God God is a healer, whether God is real, whether there is that correct faith, or whether our pastor is doing the right thing, people are under siege. And Paul is saying, let no one deceive you by philosophy, world tradition, and rudiments after uh, traditions of men after rudiments of the world. Your English is better than mine, but you know what tradition is. You know, traditions could be something that is handed over to you, though they are not facts, they are not truths, but they sound sweet. They are sugar-coated. They sound good to your mind. That is good reason. Preaching has turned to be a good reason rather than the power of God that is manifested to take or to break chains from of people. So we see a world that is under siege. We see a world where people, you know, they don't really value the content of the scripture. They don't value even ministers, even people whom God has brought to stand before them. Everybody criticizes everybody. They criticize the barber. They criticize the preacher. They criticize your family. They criticize everything. They criticize your dress. They criticize your hair. They criticize your food. They diet your food. They diet your gospel. They do dieting everywhere. <laughs> so those are after the rudiments of the world. Rudiments are the basic teachings that sometimes are not necessary for you. Since you have become mature enough to handle this. And I thank God for this for leprous men. They say, why sit we here till we die? I'm not going to sit in that position where the devil wants me to sit. But I'm going to do what I have to do anyway. Whether I, I know not engineering or I know not medical, or I know not whatever, but I have a mouth. 
I have a mind. I'm going to speak. What I'm going to speak is, why sit here till we die? Don't wait for those psychological effects called depression puts you down. Don't be besieged psychologically to things that you don't understand. Many people are depressed today. They are depressed because they can't make ends meet. That disease which is troubling them is too much on them. Some people are under siege of the age, which of course is coming by God. It is so divine that you should be 90, that you should be 100, that you should be, you know, but I'm not going to be under siege. Why sit here till we die? Many people die because they don't, they want to die. They want to die how? It's because they think too much more than death. Death capture them before they die. And they bring it into their mind. For example, what do you mean by saying that, you know, these days, uh, you know, I, I begin to question what Paul meant. We hear these psychological arguments in churches. I wonder what Paul meant. I wonder whether healing is for me today than what was it. You know, sometimes, look, God can do it. Sometimes he can. Where do you get that? There is no sometime in the Bible. What is in the Bible is so clear. <laughs> Believe and you shall be whole. Amen. Can somebody say amen? amen? But then, because people think and they, they, they wittingly fight what God has delivered to help them, then they carry too much that they ought not to carry. Yes, as I was telling you, during Corona time, uh, somebody, like, after, immediately after that, you know, I felt like, you know, sometimes I don't feel good. Sometimes, you know, malaria, things like that. So I went to be checked. I went to be checked for, and then that man said, you know, put, uh, those uh, pressure thing, and they say, oh, man, you have to check on your weight. I said, check on my weight for what? <clears throat> I don't see it where the devil can punctuate and fluctuate my, 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 my diet while the Bible is very clear that if I keep the word of God, my son, listen to my word. Keep them in your heart. If you do so, your body is going to be, oh, I, don't, I don't mean that you don't get sick, but you praise sickness too much than you praise what God can do. You know too much more than what you know about God. Believers today are so much concerned with the garbage news that they get from magazines, from the internet, from the TV, than they know the promises of God that is meant for them. You 
become what you eat. So when you eat junk food through the television, make sure that they're going to backfire on you. But if you eat, you imbibe, you drink too much of the Bible, that little doubt in your spirit is going to be suppressed until it dies. Faith kills. Remember, sometimes, you know, faith is not, uh, it, it, faith is not, um, uh, it's not an event. Faith is a process. A process. Believers, you keep on believing. You keep on believing. You keep on believing. That is why the Bible says, from faith to faith. From faith to faith. So the Bible says, they just shall live by his faith. Romans 1.17. So you are growing to that maturity. Holding forth the profession of how faith. That is how you are going to break the siege. Don't allow yourself to be under siege for nothing. And when, when, when God was about to do something in this calamity at that particular time when there was confusion, when he was about to do something at that time, do you know what he did? He used people who are Rejected in the community. I want to tell you something. Don't worry about things that people say about you. Don't even mind them. Because it is not going to work that way. Don't mind them. Yes. Some people know that maybe that cancer is going to kill you. They are rumor mongering now. That you know, you know what? He was diagnosed with high blood pressure or he's diabetic, sugar level, things like that. And when they look at you, even though they ask, how are you doing? But then in their heart, there is judgment. You only have some few days to live. What the doctor said cannot outmatch the report that the word of God says about you. Amen. Who has believed Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? The report says he was bruised, he was wounded, and all that you are going through was laid on him. I want to remind you how to break the siege. Don't like, don't, don't just sit in a place where the devil torments you every night. You become lonely in the midst of millions. You become lonely in the midst of this multitude. Then you feel like you are so lonely that you, you feel like you want to commit suicide. In the midst of a multitude. You don't talk to your mother, you don't talk to your brother, you don't talk to your pastor, you don't talk to your sister, so and so, you don't talk to everybody. So you think that the devil says that everybody's against you, you know, they're, they're against me, and things like that. And then you isolate yourself. Then you cannot move forward to break that siege. This time, we want to pray together. I have no more message, but I have this for you. We want to break the siege. 
that bondage must be broken. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. And he used them and he said, why sit here till we die? And then when they begin to move, God enhanced their feet. And so it was like a mighty army that is going to invade that particular place. And all the enemies fled. Literally, those spirits that comes to you every night with uh, suicidal thoughts or quitting thought or giving up thought, when they hear the rumors that some people are coming for you, we are going to send prayers and our prayers is going to be enhanced and God is going to energize it miraculously. Mid-air, things are going to change so that you be delivered. Praise the Lord. That is the guarantee that we have. And then they invaded the company, the, 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 the camp, and those people fled. Now, for the man of God who said that a tomorrow, at such a, a time like this, everything is going to be lowered. Whatever is beyond your reach, you are going to reach it. It is written. And then somebody, a philosopher, in whose hand the Lord, not the Lord God, but this man was like a high foretell. Mm? That, that, that particular man who was like an advisor to the king, he said, no, you are joking. It can never be. Even if God opens windows of heaven, that is impossible. But with our God, the Bible says, with God, what? With God, what? Somebody say back to me, with God, all is it, I mean, is that limited by age, no. by color, no. region, no. height, no. weight? No. With God, all things are possible. Amen. Then he said, Amen. he said to the man that was trying to challenge him that you will see it, but you will not eat it. Let me conclude my message by Mark chapter 2. There was a man who was paralyzed, totally paralyzed. He was under siege of a disease called paralysis, could not move. But he had four people. This is so strange. A man is going to be healed without confessing a faith. But in verse 5, in the same chapter, this is not another doctrine, you can just verify it. In the same chapter 2, verses 5, the Bible says, And when Jesus saw their faith, when he did what? He saw their faith, and he said to the man, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. From the time you picked up your clothes to come to church, that your faith begins the journey with you. From that time you made a decision to come here, you began a journey of faith. That is why you are called a believer. You are a faith, you are a believer. You believe in worship, 
You believe in praises. You believe in prayer. From the moment you began your journey. I don't know why some people, when they come to church, that is when they want to switch their faith on. And when they go out, they are not faithless. They don't believe. No. From the moment you began your journey, coming here, your journey of faith began. Hallelujah. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23, the Bible says, holding forth the profession of our faith. Profession is typically means your duty, what you do professionally. Like if you ask a teacher, what are you doing professionally? I'm a teacher. So what are you doing professionally? You are a believer. You are so simple. It is not a matter of, you know, gnashing your teeth so that you become a believer. No. The process, your process, since like we have taken the Lord's Supper, that it takes faith. It takes faith in you to believe that what a man of God says is true and sure. And it is a sure foundation. As you receive the Lord, Jesus, so walk ye in him. Break the circle of doubt. Break the circle of doubt. And then you break the siege. Are you under pressure of doing something that you don't want to do? You can break forth right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God is going to glorify your faith for them that he called. He also glorified them. So your faith has another level to be glorified. What I mean is if you take action that is needed, God is going to walk you through. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. And when Jesus saw their faith and he saw, that is plural, and when he saw their faith, and when he saw their faith, and when he saw my faith, he saved me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My sisters and my brothers, this is my message for you in Australia, remember to break the siege. You cannot break it physically, but through your faith. Don't allow the devil with rudiments and philosophies. I just want you to remember those words. And traditions of men. Ah, you know, those are orals, oral teachings. I'm not saying that, that, that we have two types of tradition. Uh, type one, uh, biblical tradition. Type two, traditions of a man. I have never seen it like that. I've never had it like that. I don't believe that. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in that. Don't join them. Amen. Join us in God's word. Praise the Lord. Can we all rise up in the presence of God? I want to pray. Glory to Jesus. I want to pray for somebody 
that has been harboring doubt in his heart, that has been going through some problems, I want to pray for someone and you will help me pray by yourself. Because I'm going to give you an instruction. And God is going to listen to that. And the answer is guaranteed. You will never remain the same in that position. I know that you have bad news. Many people have bad news. You have bad news. You don't know when. You just say, I'm oh, how, how are you doing? I'm just hanging there. I don't know when. I'm just giving up, you know, brother so-and-so, I'm confused. I'm in the island of confusion. I'm in the island of decision. I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing or I'm doing that. You should not be doing what you don't know. What you should be doing is written in the word. In the word of God. Don't doubt by saying it is the devil. Remember, you came in as a faither, as a believer. Then the devil wants to challenge you by saying, I don't know whether what I'm doing is right. I don't know whether... No! Don't be confused. Those people say, why sit we here? They were never baptized. You are so lucky because you have a baptism. They never participated in the Lord's Supper, but you have. You have many advantages. Over them, they were sick, you're not. In fact, their sickness was abomination at that time. But you have never been that sick that requires isolation. You are professionally sick. That is why what I mean. Professionally sick because you take too much more than you can chew. Nobody should tell me to diet because I know what's good for me. I know what is good for me. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Lord. Now, take your left, your right hand this way. Put it this way. I want you to put it, don't look at your neighbor. I want you to put it where you feel there is doubt, whether it is doubt in your mind or doubt in your heart. But everything has their motherboard in your head. Remember, but just put it there for the sake of our prayer, and you're going to break the siege. Hallelujah. Let us pray, shall we? Almighty God, Father, I want to thank you for this person. I want to thank you for my sisters and my brothers. I want to thank you for their lives together at this particular time. Lord, as we approach your throne of grace, we break every chain. We break every yoke. We break everything that is trying to hold them captive. Be it depression, we break them. Be it heartbreak because of death, we break them. Because of hypertension or sugar level, we break them. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for their healings. I pray for their deliverance. I pray for anything that is trying to uh, prevent them from realizing the goodness of the Lord. Mighty King of glory, receive honor. Receive praise at this particular time and take all the glory. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for myself being here. We thank you for the miracles that you have started doing. I feel it in my spirit that you are touching somebody. You are touching their minds. You are touching their heart. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you with a lot of you.
humility. Lord, we implore you. Lord, we ask you to intervene in every situation. Intervene in the lives of that person, in that family. Intervene in their finances. Intervene in their health issues. Intervene in their psychological minds. Intervene, oh Father, we thank you. We give you praise, for I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You see, maybe some of that got lost in translation, but let me just get it to you in the, in the, in the spirit, why this is so important. In 2 Kings 7, the word comes. The word of God comes. And it's completely illogical to the natural mind. There is a siege. And the word of God, there's an army around the city sieging. But the word of God comes and says, basically tomorrow, there'll be food. And the officer lets his natural mind override God's promise and God's word and says, how can it be? Not going to happen. Impossible. And the judgment of God comes on him because he will not believe. And Elijah says to him, yeah, you'll see it, but you won't eat of it. But the other person, even though they can't understand it with their mind, that there's an army out there, it's got somehow God's going to deal with it. And tomorrow everything's going to be restored. Food's going to be in the city. That rejected leper hears the word and he just starts walking in it. Walking towards, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I still haven't believed it. And I'm walking in the promises of God. It's more powerful than anything I see. More powerful than I ever understand. And maybe you've got somebody, maybe a child who's away from God. And, you, and, and, and the, uh, the devil would say, but look at the company they're in. Look at this, look at, look at that. But the word of God says salvation is for you and your household. You start walking in it. Maybe you've got a sickness and you've got a disease. The Word of God, the doctor says this, the doctor says that. And the Word of God says, by the wounds of Jesus, you are healed. Whose report will you believe? Whose report? If you just walk in what God promised, even though you don't understand it, the miracle of power of God will start, you'll start to see it in your life. Amen? And if you're in that situation today, maybe you, you need a miracle. I'm telling you, the Word of God says you'll get it if you simply believe. Don't complicate it. Don't get into the tradition of men. Don't hear all the nonsense the world says. Don't listen to what the doctor says. Stand on the Word of God. It is more powerful. The doctor's not bad, but God's Word is better. Don't swear what the, what the world says. Don't care what the devil says. Stand on the Word of God and walk in it because that's how God's power is accessed. If you need prayer, if you need a miracle, if you're in a battle, you're, we've all had our, our minds been under siege by the media about this is what's really happening. God's Word is above it all. Break the siege. Break the siege today. Start to praise God. And if you need someone to pray for you, man of God is here in Jesus' name.